Welcome to the Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man podcast, dedicated to all the men who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages, with host Arturo Henriquez and sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. Welcome to this podcast. Uh, Today's podcast is one of those based on one of the things that I often hear. It's interesting to watch over time. I've noticed that there's a recurring theme. Sometimes I keep hearing the same things over and over again. Uh, But many people have the same kind of questions, same kind of concerns about their marriage. And just uh, earlier, I think, I believe it was last week, I was thinking about the same topic because today somebody asked me, hey, can you tell me what you could do to maybe head off an affair or head off an inappropriate relationship? And the person was referencing the fact that I have information about what to do to recover from an affair. But what made me think is, wouldn't it be better to stop it ahead of time? And of course, that's absolutely true. It would be better. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't find me or or the Fortified Spouse Program until after the damage has been done. And so that was why I was approaching it that way. But it's absolutely true that there are some things you can do to kind of not just You know, not just about affairs, but kind of head off bad situations ahead of time. Now, last week, I had another email that just reminded me this. And there have been several others during these past couple of weeks that hit kind of on the same topic. But last week, the person said, you know, the problem is my wife's a little sarcastic. When she's sarcastic, this is somebody else. This is a different person. And and, And he said, when she's sarcastic, you know, I don't, I don't. I don't know what else to do and a fight ensues, you know, because I get all wound up and I start saying things I don't want to say. And suddenly we're having to fight. And it's all based on the fact that she started with this sarcasm. And what I told them, well, that's, you know, that's not exactly entirely true. What really spun it out of control was not the sarcasm, but your response to that sarcasm. It didn't mean it was his fault. Because, of course, it was he was triggered. It's just that he's putting it on the other person. You know, there's a stopping point at any point in any interaction. And we have to choose where we're going to be at that stopping point. Look, for the other day, I had a conversation with my daughter. And we were talking about, you know, we, we had a couple of rough days. Um, and she told me, Dad, you know, I react to some of the things you say and how you say them. And I said, you know, honey, I can certainly work on how I say things to you and what I say, but your reaction is entirely on you. That's your responsibility. You can't put that on me. And so it's the same point here. And so today I want to talk about a topping that's a recurring uh, theme. You know, again, for me, I hear it time and time again, and it's a subject all about boundaries. And what I, might, what I mean by boundaries is there an, there's an entire section about terms as part of the Fortified Spouse Program and part of the blueprint on setting those. And terms are kind of a broader way of setting boundaries. And so let's just kind of talk for a minute about what a definition of a, of a boundary might look like. So a boundary is how you expect others to treat you, how you expect yourself to be treated. And what you will not let others do to you. And I'll give you an example. Um, so we've always had 
in our houses, we've always had a fence uh, that covered, you know, the majority of the backyard and near the driveway, of course, there's a door, a gate to get into the backyard. You know, if we have a pool uh, or the landscaping people, that's how they, they open the, the door to get back there. Um, and most of the times, for some reason, it's always open. And we had a, uh, at one of our properties, we had a, a neighbor who uh, had a dog on a leash. And of course, he'd walk the door and sometimes the dog would lead him into our backyard. I know, kind of funny, but, um, you know, at first I didn't think much of it because we have dogs and, you know, dogs go where they go and, and he picks up after the dog. And so, but after we thought about it for a little bit, it, it, it scares our little dog and it scares our daughters, you know, so we'd rather them not, you know, not go there. Right. And so we, we told our neighbor and their response was, well, you know, what do you want us to do? The dog goes back there. And so I learned along the way that I had to actually latch that fan, had to close it off because they're, you know, they're going to keep crossing it and they don't mean to. It's just the dog is leading them. And I want you to have the picture of a fenced backyard because that's kind of what a boundary is, right? We left the door open. So we gave the message that that boundary wasn't really there. Uh, sometimes we have, you know, we find ourselves at two ends of that spectrum. There's some people have, who have no fence, no markings of where the property is. Others have the door open and, and others have, you know, the fence completely uh, closed off. You know, the backyard completely closed off. And people can, you know, if, if it's open uh, or there's no fence, people can just walk across their yard whenever they want. They cut through and they leave tracks and trails. And that's kind of like people who don't have any boundaries, right? And people just run all over them and take advantage of them and maybe treat them poorly, right? If, if somebody's walking across your backyard and it's muddy and they're leaving all these tracks and might be ruining your grass, well, you have, you know, you're left with fixing that. Uh, then there are those who build, you know, something like the Great Wall of China that's impenetrable and make sure that nobody can get to them. And, you, you know, you've probably seen a lot of these houses with these big, fences around their backyard or on their property. And they might have good reasons for that. You know, they might have big dogs or they might have big pools and they're just trying to keep people from, you know, from coming into the house. Or maybe they, 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 they had a bad experience in the past or maybe, you know, they're high on security, right? Um, and that's their way of keeping people, the world outside by building these very high fences, very tall fences. So when the boundary is somebody, you know, with their own psychological boundaries is so high, right? Think about that fence, but now think of it as a psychological fence. And when people have this very high psychological boundary, um, they're protecting themselves. So the problem is it's really easy to be at the extreme. That takes no effort whatsoever. If you want to keep everyone out of your life, never be heard, never be loved, you can build very, very high fences and make sure that nobody can get to you. Those high walls, again, emotional, psychological walls, will protect you from people mistreating you. They just happen to also keep you from having human interaction with people. And then at the other end of the spectrum, there are people who have no boundaries. And then they're, so, they're, they're mistreated. They're, 
They can't figure out why people keep taking advantage of them. And yet they have no point when they say, hey, that's not okay. Right? They have no boundaries, no emotional, psychological boundaries. Now that's easy to do as well because you don't have to monitor it. It's just painful though. And so the two ends end up being kind of the simple solutions that do absolutely nothing for our lives and do nothing for our relationships. You have people that have absolutely no boundaries uh, and so they're being hurt all the time and you have people that have boundaries that are so high that have absolutely no human interaction, right? So if you think of it more like a fence, a fence marks that area. It tells people where they should be able to go on the property line. But if they really wanted to, they could get through and you could talk to them over the fence line and you have some rights within that frame. And so think of the boundaries more like a fence. It marks your boundaries, your emotional boundaries, your psychological boundaries. People might cross over and you have to say, hey, you know what? You need to get off my property. Or you may say, hey, I'm glad you're over here. Let's sit down and talk. It gives you the capacity of moderating that area by saying, I need you on the other side of the fence. Or, hey, come on into my area. Let's talk. You control that. So one of the things you notice is that one of the reasons that we often have very emotional outbursts is because we don't have those boundaries. We haven't been monitoring those boundaries if we do have them. And we haven't been taking care of ourselves as a result. And whenever that happens, we're at a much higher risk of feeling, you know, of feeling a threat. Not necessarily that you are a threat, but you feel the risk of threat. And when we have a risk of threat, it ups how we respond. We respond more defensively, respond more angrily, we respond more, you know, we respond more antagonistically. And all of that is based on the fact that we're afraid that some, you know, something's going to happen. There's a threat because we haven't been clear about how we should have been treated. So boundaries allow us to reset that. It basically allows us to make sure that others know where we end and what's okay and how they come into our area and how they come into our personal space. Now, there are both personal boundaries, meaning I, you know, how I want to be treated. And then there are relational boundaries, meaning how I expect us to treat our family and us as a couple, for instance. Those are two relational boundaries. And so sometimes when we have young kids, we protect their boundaries because kids don't know how to, you know, protect their own boundaries or they're learning how to protect their boundaries. So a parent, you know, a parent might say, hey, you know what? You need to back off a little bit. That's not okay. That's a parent protecting a child's boundary. And then there's a time when a couple might have boundaries as a way of protecting their relationship. Now, a couple boundary are those parameters that both agree on, that they're going to protect. Both agree that they're going to monitor those areas. And it can come in lots of different areas, how they interact with people, the opposite sex, how they interact on social media, how they interact out in public, you know, public spaces, in bars and at dinners and at the office. And all those pieces are boundaries, you know, how we're going to protect our relationship. But what, by what we allow to come towards us as individuals 
Those are the boundaries of our relationship. And they're very important to monitor those as well as our personal boundaries. One thing I can tell you from my work for years is that boundaries are one of the most underdeveloped parts of most people's psyche. They don't understand that they are responsible for deciding how people are going to treat them. And we all can look back on times when maybe we didn't have the capacity of even setting up boundaries. And this is where it starts. We don't learn about boundary setting, you know, boundary setting uh, very well because sometimes, and more likely than not, we had parents who uh, protected us, who were a bit invasive uh, in our childhood. And as we went into adolescence and even in early adulthood, or maybe in our friends who were a bit invasive in our lives. And we don't stop it. And so then we start giving in and we feel like we're going to lose a relationship unless we allow that person to in some way violate what would have been our boundaries. And so you put up with it. And so in many ways, we learn to not monitor our boundaries or not have any boundaries at all. And so then we have a time uh, in our, you know, in our adulthood where, you know, we have to kind of take responsibility for our life. And we have to develop these boundaries. And then you have the question is, what, but what is my responsibility? My, what is my ability to respond to the situation around me? How do I take on the fact that I do have a capacity of responding? How do I take on the capacity that I can decide how I'm going to be treated in the world? And how people are going to relate to me? Not only that, but how am I going to relate to them? which is really about standards. So let's talk about some things that boundaries are not. Boundaries are not about controlling the other person. And this is you know, one of those things where we have to be very, very careful about. Sometimes we want people to act in certain ways, not how they treat us, but just how they act in the world. And so controlling the other person has nothing to do with a boundary. It's like if I were to say to my neighbors, hey, you can't go in anybody's yards. I really don't have that capacity, but I can't say you can't come into my yard. I can say that, excuse me. So stopping people, you know, from how they treat you is the sense of a boundary, not exactly how they act. So you may have people around you that yell at everyone and that may not be okay with you. Your boundary is that they cannot yell at you. If they yell at other people and you try to make them stop that now you're controlling them and that's something you cannot do that is beyond your boundaries one of the things you may notice also is that there are people in the world who automatically get a response and that's more about respect and that people you know people see their boundaries almost unconsciously from these people the more work we do on our boundaries the more we take them in they become our personality they become us Uh, And we almost exude that, you know, think about people, you know, that nobody would ever dream of yelling at or making demands of or any way mistreating, you know, except with, you know, except with, you know, treating them with full respect. Think of those people, you know, people who have created these boundaries, whether they meant to, whether they did it consciously, whether it was just luck, they have set these boundaries. So that's one way of thinking about how what happens when we don't have those boundaries is that people are more likely to be pushing against us, right? So the people that, you know, have these boundaries that you you could never even consciously think that anyone would yell at them, 
people know these boundaries exist around them, either consciously or subconsciously. In fact, one of the signs that you need to set your boundaries is because you can look back and say, wow, I almost constantly have my boundaries violated. And you'll figure that out as we talk a little bit more about this, that you know these boundaries are not about controlling the other person. It's about stopping them from mistreating you. It's about teaching them how to treat you, not how they act. How they act is really up to them. Also, a boundary is not a demand. See, I've heard some people say, okay, here's my boundary. You have to do this. You have to love me every day. Well, that's not a boundary. You may not yell at me is a boundary. You have to treat me nicely like a king all the time is not a boundary. That's a demand. You may not take advantage of me in these ways. That is a boundary. Now, another thing that's important about boundaries is they are not done to the other person. They're done for yourself. And let me tell you what I mean by that. I've done some teaching, some seminars on boundaries. And I remember I was at a church and I was doing several weeks of boundaries on how to create appropriate boundaries. And so the first week I talked through the formula of how to set up a boundary, uh, which we're going to talk about in a little bit here. And I talked about what a boundary looks like and how you might think about your boundaries and set people off to kind of work on that during the week, you know, to practice setting up the boundaries. Because if you don't practice boundaries, it doesn't do any good just to really talk about it. And the more we practice, the better we get at it. And so I sent them away and a woman came back and she stormed up to the front of the room at the beginning of the second session and she put a finger in my face, uh, which immediately said, okay, that's not okay. That's my boundary. Don't put your finger in my face. And I said it, of course, in a nice way. And so she put it down and she said, I just want you to know that boundaries do not work. And I said, really? Tell me what you mean by that. She said, I did those boundaries to my husband. And it didn't change a thing. So I began that seminar by talking about the fact that boundaries are not something you do to other people. You do it for yourself. And so she was basically trying to chase him around and set a boundary that would get him to do something. It was done to him not to keep him from doing something to her. So, you know, boundaries are for yourself, not something you do to the other person. Now, you may be saying... You can't do that behavior towards me, but it's not done to the other person. It's to be, it's done to set your boundaries. So I was not saying to my neighbors and specifically just to them that they couldn't come into my yard. I was, I was saying my yard is not an okay place to be. Now you notice there's a very close correlation because I was still going to affect their behavior in my yard. And basically, all they did was shift to other people's yards that they wandered in and out of, at least that their dog wandered in and out of. But that was the difference. And that's the difference for you. It's done for you. Meaning, they were not able to come into my yard, but their, their behavior didn't change. They still went into other people's yards. So now the other person may have to change how they treat you. But again, it's not done to them, right? how they treat my backyard. The motivation is to let them know how they have to treat you. Okay? So another very important thing uh, about a boundary is it's not a way to avoid difficult interactions. If you don't want to have a discussion with your wife about, 
you know, maybe they want a divorce and you don't, you can't keep shutting it down by saying you can't talk to me about that subject. Or maybe there's an emotional thing you need to talk about. You need to clear up something. And so it's going to be a painful conversation. And you want to have, you know, you, you want to keep saying you can't say that to me. You know, that's my boundary because, you know, during the conversation, they say something that may hurt you and you don't want to hear that. And you say, that's my boundary. Well, that's not a boundary. That's making sure that you don't have a difficult conversation that you don't want to have. How the conversation happens can be a boundary, but whether it needs to happen or not, the conversation itself is not a boundary. Now, boundaries can help make difficult conversations easier. It moderates that process because it's not, you know, you're not going to allow that person to yell at you and you're not going to yell at them. And we're going to, you know, we we'll talk about why that in just a minute. So you might find some better ways of interacting, of having difficult conversations to make the conversations go better. But it doesn't take away the difficult parts, the emotional parts about the conversation. There's just, you know, you're making boundaries or rules. Remember, we all have difficult things to talk about, difficult emotion, you know, emotional things that we need to talk about with each other, with our loved ones, you know, with our wives. And they can be very painful and necessary to talk about. So boundaries aren't about avoiding those interactions. It's, just, it's more about deciding how those interactions need to happen, how you let that interaction be the case. So it's not a way to avoid difficult interaction. At some point, when we're having difficult interactions that, that, you know, that may get out of hand, that begin to push against our, boundaring, our boundaries, then it might be time to say, we need to come back to this some other time. We need to find a better place at a better time to talk about this because it's pushing up against my boundaries or it's pushing up against your boundaries. And that's not avoiding. That's just making sure you're both calm enough to get through that conversation sometimes in the future when you're not violating each other's boundaries. Okay, so let's talk about what boundaries are and what boundaries are not. First of all, boundaries are not standards. So let's just kind of differentiate the two. Boundaries are what you will not let someone do to you. Standards or what you expect of yourself is what you're going to live up to. So let's take uh, maybe as an example, parenting. So you can say to a child, you have to be honest to everyone around you. Uh, now, let me, let, me, let me say that differently. You can say it, but there's nothing you can do to enforce it. And when I say you can say it uh, and you can't enforce it, I mean you can't make it happen because honesty can be your standard, but you can't put it on your child as much as you would like to. I'm not talking philosophically here. I'm talking practically. So let me tell you what you can say to your child. If I find that you're lying to me, this is going to be the penalty, you know, uh, and, and a punishment. Uh, and that would be a boundary. But if you say you have to be honest with the rest of the world, they can walk right around the corner and say a big, fat, bold lie to their best friend or to their, you know, to their worst enemy. They could say it to their other parent or their grandparents or their teacher or the principal or the coach or their teammates. They can tell lies all over the place. And you haven't been able to stop it because they have to make a choice not to do that. Right. They have to live by their that standard. That has to be their standard. 
So you might share with them the importance of honesty. You just have to recognize that you can't put your standards on them. You can't force them. They, ha they have to adopt it at some point in their life. A boundary, though, is to say to a child, if you tell me a lie, this is what's going to happen to you. This is what the penalty is going to be, and that is a boundary. And so you could also say, for instance, a standard, I am not going to yell at people around me. Now, this is Arturo talking. I do believe that yelling is crossing a boundary. Now, that doesn't mean that I've never yelled at my wife, or I've never yelled at my children, or I've never yelled at my dog, or I've never yelled at a stranger or somebody. Uh, it just means that when I do that, I know I have violated a boundary that I set up. And I quickly apologize, or at least I try to. I, I work hard to monitor other people's boundaries that I know they expect um, you know, for me to live by the boundaries that I place on myself. Um, but my expectation of myself, my standard is I'm not going to cross, I'm not going to, you know, go across other people's boundaries, right? So I'm not going to go into somebody else's backyard, even if the gate is open. In my boundaries, I'm not going to be yelled at. So if somebody starts yelling at me, I quickly say, hey, you know what? We can either have a normal conversation or this is going to have to wait. Okay, that's setting a boundary, right? Even though I'm against people yelling, I can set that boundary for myself. So the difference is what I expected myself, that's a standard. What I expect the other person to do to, to, you know, to treat me or how not to treat me, that would be a boundary. The problem is we often forget our own boundaries and then put our standards on the other people around us. And see, that never works. Philosophically, it would be, you know, it'd be great if I understand the sharing of our standards with our kids and what we want to have happen, happen, right? But practically speaking, there's nothing you can do to enforce that because they go off into the rest of the world. And so you have to decide to be interacting with the world. That's your standard, how you do that. And we can always raise our standards and change our standards. In fact, I always think the part of the process of saving a marriage is saying, okay, where have I let my standards drop a little bit, right? When we're talking about our marriage, you know, maybe you're not living up to the standards you should have or you had at one point, you know, and, and you take a second step and you look back to try to save your marriage because you're out of the standards that you, you know, that you're used to living up to, Right. And often a change of yourself is elevating yourself up to a higher standard. Now, it's also about deciding that you're going to be more clear about your boundaries, what you expect to, uh, what you expect and how you expect to be treated. See, those two pieces are about how you can change how people interact with you and how your marriage goes. But I just want to be clear that those are separate things. Standards are what you, you know, what, what you own boundaries are what you expect or how you expect others to treat you. Okay, so let's just talk a little bit about those differences between personal boundaries and relationship boundaries, because sometimes it's hard to figure out how to bridge the gap between one and the other. And one of the things that's very clear to me about boundaries is that we can only enforce the boundaries when we have decided what our boundaries are, when we've defined them, and we've had some conscious thought about what they are and the expectations behind them. So let's talk a little bit uh, about what boundaries are for you personally, what you're willing to allow others to treat you. And I don't mean others 
meaning the whole rest of the world, I mean the others around you, your friends, people, your wife, your children. You know, what are the basics of how you're going to be treated by them, by those people that are closest to you? And there's obviously going to be some variations. You may take a much, you know, heated discussion with your wife than, you know, than you would from a friend because it's much more important um, of a relationship. And of course, the feelings and the emotions are deeper. So let's talk about relational ones. And notice that in order to set your personal boundaries, you have to sit down and think about them. You have to ponder them. And you have to decide what's going on that makes you feel threatened, that derails your process, and decide that that's a boundary you need to establish. The same is true for the relational part, except it requires a conversation because, of course, in a relationship, there's two people. What threatens your relationship? What might threaten your relationship down the road? You know, we both had friends before we came into a relationship. Which of these friends are good or bad? Do we need to moderate that relationship or those relationships? And how about activities? You know, when we talk about activities, you may uh, uh, be willing to accept some activities of your partner or not. You know, I can't abide by certain things. If you're going to continue that activity, if you're going to continue drinking, for instance, if you're going to continue going to the strip club, or if you're going to be biking eight hours a day every afternoon, you know, I may not be able to live with that. These talks, these type of things, of course, you have more so at the beginning of the relationship. But as, as people mature and as they grow into a relationship, uh, they also take on additional activities. Now, also, social media. We live in a, in a very connected world where social you know, media is omnipresent. And friending is a big thing, especially if the opposite sex. So can you friend the opposite sex on Facebook? What's, you know, what's okay, what isn't? How about old girlfriends, all boyfriends? Is it okay with texting, Instagramming, pictures? What's okay, Snapchatting? What's okay with communicating with other people in the past that would undermine the relationship or not? You know, what may be okay today may not be okay tomorrow as well. So what's there to expect? How about work? How are you going to interact with people that are the, you know, the opposite sex at work? If that's your orientation or the same sex, if that's your orientation. But how do you moderate that? So you protect the relationship. How do you protect it from making sure that nobody's beginning to move into the relationship in ways that are threatening to the marriage? You know, how do you say, you know, it's not okay to discuss, you know, discuss these topics with other people. That's part of our, that's part of our privacy. Uh, and you can name the topics that you feel would be threatening and how they might be threatening to the relationship. And it's what's important for the couple. Right. It's it's what's important uh, to discuss as a couple um, that needs to be set as boundaries. And if somebody says, you know what, this relationship, you know, this particular relationship is threatening to me. There needs to be a fair discussion about how you either make that relationship safe or you in that relationship, you end that relationship. And one of the things I often hear is that people say, you know, I should not have to give up any friends, you know, for my marriage. And I disagree with that. Right. You know, let's kind of clarify that a bit. There are times when somebody else can say that relationship seems to be a little threatening to that other person. And they can be dead on. If there's somebody who's saying you can't have that relationship with anybody else, that's not what I'm talking about. That's just demanding. But they may notice that there's something about that other person. I always recommend that if you want to keep a friendship of someone with the opposite sex, they at least need to become friends with a spouse, 
right? In this case with your wife, and it still needs to be monitored, right? We need to be aware of it because we, we are humans and, you know, we're up, you know, we're attracted to the opposite sex and that sometimes throws us off. And the fact that our attractions to friends and attractions to potential mates are not very far removed. It's just a, a fact of life. You know, there's always chemistry and that gets people into trouble, especially if there was no intention at the beginning. So you need to monitor that uh, and you need to create boundaries if you think that there's a threat there relational boundaries. Now, let's just be clear about this boundary thing that setting relational, you know, relational boundaries requires both people to be attentive to them, both people to be in agreement. One person can't do that. So both people have to agree on, on how they're going to carry out those boundaries. So just like in the sense that it's not about doing it to somebody, but how do you do it for yourself and for the relationship and provide protection? It's the same with relationship, you know, boundaries. How can two people decide how they will protect the marriage? Because one central piece that I think has to be understood is that the marriage is the central relationship in your life. And when it's treated that way, then you start making decisions about the relationship based on the fact that it's the primary one. So what happens is you protect the relationship above everything else. So what happens when you're in troubled relationships? Well, the first thing you do before you start trying to suddenly create boundaries is you work on building the connection first, bringing back that connection, you know, making that connection more important because until there's a connection, there's not going to be a willingness to involve oneself in the boundaries or to respect them, unfortunately, but that's the case. So if you find yourself going, how can I deal with this other situation unless it's too late? We should have had this conversation 10 years ago or five years ago or two months ago or whenever you should have had it. You recognize that now it's time to have it, but you need to build a connection, work on building the connection so that you're back in a place where the primary relationship is steady and sturdy and where you can bring up that boundary. And then you, be, you, know, you can begin to say, this is how we're going to protect our relationship. Okay, so that kind of gives you some pieces. It requires discussions, thoughts about what your own personal boundaries are, what are your relationship boundaries. Those are very important. So boundaries and standards that we talked about, remember boundaries are about respect and standards are about self-respect. Standards are about how you expect yourself to behave so that you can respect yourself. And boundaries are about how others will respect you. And that's a very, very important distinction in terms of both personal boundaries and relationship boundaries and standards. So I hope this uh, was very helpful uh, talking about boundaries, the importance of putting boundaries for yourself individually and, of course, in a relationship. Again, this is Arturo Henriquez, and thanks for listening. If you're hurting... If you're lost, if you're in despair, you need to understand what is actually going on. You need to get the tools to become confident, independent of your wife. You need to get the tools to better communicate. You need to get the tools to deal with your emotions. You need to get the tools to manage her reactions. You need to get the tools to deal with your insecurities and your triggers. You need to get the tools to become a better version of yourself. You need to start to make decisions that are empowered instead of disempowered. 
So if you're facing decisions, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond when my wife is being toxic? I don't know what to do. My wife doesn't love me. I don't know what to do. My wife is cheating on me. I don't know what to do. She wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. Well, we can help you find those answers and give you those tools. Now, if you're interested in learning more about these tools, how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation so you can work on yourself and save your marriage, how to start making changes to you, how to start building confidence, how to start being an empathetic listener, how to communicate, how to build trust, how to change your context, how to build desire, and so many other things you need to do to become a better man, to become a better husband, to become a better father, to save your marriage, to win your wife back, then I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse Program. Go to fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. The program is going to change your life. It's going to make you a better man. It's going to restore the man in you, and it's going to save your marriage. This is Arturo Henriquez, and thank you for listening. You have been listening to the podcast, Save Your Marriage by Restoring the Man. For further information, visit the Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.